It is Thursday, February 2nd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to episode four of our Dynasty Trade Desk. I'm your host, Matt Schaap. With me again are Jared Smola and C.H. Herms. None of us are seeing our shadow because we're all inside talking about Dynasty, looking for guys to trade, guys to acquire. We already hit quarterback. We already hit running back. We already hit wide receiver. Those episodes are live on DraftSharks.com. They're live wherever you like to listen to your podcast. So you can go find those after you're done with this one, of course. We also have 11 more players available in the buy, sell, hold report that dropped on DraftSharks.com Wednesday. Nearly all of those guys are unique to the article, did not appear among the guys that we mentioned in these shows. And the one we're about to do, a couple that we're going to talk about on today's show came from the article. But most of those guys are different. That's a DS Insiders article, so you got to become a member to get access to that. But I'm actually going to let you know in a little secret. You can even go in there without being a DS Insider, get a few pages in before the gate comes closed on you. So go check it out. Check out the article. Let Herms know at the bottom what you think of it, whether you agree or disagree. And then, of course, check out the Dynasty rankings. Actually, you know what? I've got a little tease of the Buy, Sell, Hold report right here that I almost forgot about, boys. For anybody who's not on the stream, you can get a sneak peek with uh, not one of the most popular guys in the NFL at the top, but somebody that could potentially help fantasy teams. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 chock full of some good information here. I really think that people, if they're uh... – now that we're getting into 2023, before we get caught up with all the draft prospects, you got to check out some of these guys that are already in the NFL. Come on, yeah, sign up. Give away too much by scrolling through <laughs> that thing. So we'll refocus now. You can, of course, always find our DS Dynasty rankings on the website across positions, across formats. Now we're going to dive in two tight ends. We're going to start with buys on this one. We've been kind of going back and forth between buys and sells. Today we're going to go on the positive side. And Herms, why don't you tell us who you're buying first? Oh, let me tell you. Uh, Chig Conquo of the Tennessee Titans. Okay, first and foremost, the most important thing. He played his college football at the University of Maryland. If you're seeing the video, you always see the Maryland flag flying behind me. So big fan as far as that goes. But in a more serious note, the guy was pretty good. It definitely takes tight ends a while to develop at the professional level. And we don't really expect a lot of production out of younger ones, but it took until maybe like week 13 or so. But by the time Aconqua really ascended, he ended the year from week 13 on 16th in tight ends, uh, among tight ends in target share, 13th in PPR points per game. And this dude did that being on the field for only 45 and a half of the Titans offensive snaps and a 40.7 route participation rate in that window last season. So basically the dude was absolutely balling out being involved less than half of the time in the Titans offense. It's not very easy for somebody to, to just randomly pop up and pull that off. And fortunately, uh, Austin Hooper, you know, who was ahead of him on the depth chart for a decent portion of the year, like probably not going to be there anymore. And it's not like the Titans have a lot of pass catchers to really speak of other than fellow rookie Traylon Burks there. So we always need to look for these early indicators of young tight ends breaking out and getting production earlier in their careers. It's a great way to anticipate who is going to be super good for the future. So that's definitely my guy for this. Jared, sometimes we put out, you know, player recommendations and they get pushback from others. I don't think Chickaconco got a whole lot no. of resistance. No, and he shouldn't really. Like, and I, 
I want to be like the drivers of the of the Chig bandwagon here at Draft Tracks. I, I love this guy. I thought he was intriguing coming out. Now, he didn't have like a perfect prospect profile coming out. It was like a mid-around pick. He dealt with a heart issue while at Maryland, missed like an entire season there. So I'm sure that impacted his college production. But I mean, Her- Herm said he had a, a pretty good rookie season. I'd say he had a very good rookie season considering the, the circumstance he was in, in this, you know, run heavy Titans offense with Malik Willis under center for, you know, a handful of those games. Okonkwo was one of 31 rookie tight ends to draw 40-plus targets over the past 10 seasons. That fact alone, I mean, the fact that he drew 40-plus targets as a rookie, again, only 30 guys over the past 10 seasons. But among those 31 tight ends, third in PFF receiving grade, first in yards per route run. And that, that group includes Zach Ertz, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts. He led all those guys in yards per route run as a rookie, so – Super, super intriguing rookie season from him, and he's he's definitely a guy I think you want to acquire now before he has a season where he does you know get full playing time and does amass you know more raw fantasy points. I think you guys are glossing over the best thing about having him on your roster. His name is Chigazim Okonkwo. I mean, tell me oh, yeah. a more fun name to say <laughs> than that. You can just anytime he scores, you can go Chigazim and do like Street Fighter <laughs> style. You can shorten it to Chig if that's too much for you. You can say Chigo. You'll find him going by all those Okonkwo. I mean, it's just going to be fun to have him on your team, especially when he starts getting more passes thrown his way on a more regular basis and scoring points. Jared. You've also got a guy that didn't get a whole lot of pushback in off-season discussion so far. Who are you buying? Yeah, I'm buying David Njoku. Had a really nice 2022 season that I guess in fantasy circles was masked a bit by the fact that he missed three games and most of another with a high ankle sprain and then a knee injury. But in his 12 full games, um, tight end seven in PPR points per game. 18.4% 18.4% target share in those 12 games, a really strong number for a tight end. And then you look at some of the more advanced stuff, 32 tight ends saw 40 plus targets last season. And Joku's sixth among those 32 in PFF receiving grade, 11th among those 32 in yards per route run. And yep, maybe there's some confirmation bias here going on for me because Joku is a guy we all loved coming into this past season. He was one of our favorite targets as, you know, uh, he was priced as a low end tight end two in, you know, 2022 redrafts. But, um, he, he kind of did what we expected him to do as this, you know, former first round pick. He's been in the NFL for six years now, but he still turns just 27 in July. He was super young. I think he, he wasn't even 21 when he got drafted. Um, you know, he had the 93rd percentile relative athletic score. He's a big athletic dude. Now, I, I still think there's a chance that, you know, we haven't seen the best from him. The Browns made that big investment in him monetarily with the four-year $55 million deal last offseason. And Joku's still a top six tight end in terms of average annual salary. So the Browns are committed to him. And again, as we mentioned on Tuesday's show, and as you know, we, we just showed there in the Dynasty buy sell hold report, but we're sort of buying the Sean Watson bouncing back in 2023 20, and beyond and at least reemerging as like a, a high-end quarterback, if not an elite quarterback. So that, that's good news for Njoku going forward as well. And a couple things I like here, you mentioned confirmation bias. I would worry that we were doing that if we hadn't started last season with, you know, the Browns showing us how they feel about David and Joku. If we were like, oh, it's maybe it's finally time for him to do something. And then he did it. But there was no indication from the team that contract showed us that they view him as part of at least their near term plan. And then he delivered so we can um, bet on that continuing. The other thing, if you go for David Njoku or if you go for Amari Cooper, who Jared mentioned on the wide receiver show, like I think we all expect Deshaun Watson to perform better than he did this past season. 
it's completely understandable to not want any piece of Deshaun Watson in fantasy. So these two guys are a good way to have a piece of a Deshaun Watson bounce back on your roster without, you know, the yicky factor of having to play Deshaun Watson in a fantasy lineup. So, you know, if that is a factor for you, that maybe kind of comes into play here. I have my buy now, Jared, and I got to say, I tried. I really tried <laughs> to just feel good about this guy who doesn't ever make me just feel good. And you'll notice that the buy went to mostly lowercase here by Mike Kosicki. I-, I tried to like him. He did have three straight top 12 PPR finishes from 2019 to 2021. However, they were tight end 15, tight end nine, tight end 16 in PPR points per game. So most of what he did was stay healthy and get targets those seasons. He he has always been an inefficient receiver, 62 and 62.4% career catch rate, solid career a dot helps the yards, but the career yard, yards per route run, not great. His 1.26 career would have ranked 28th last year among 43 tight ends that saw 30 plus targets. His actual yards per route run last year did rank 36th in that group. So the buy, and it's a very mild buy on Mike Gusecki is He's way down at the bottom of tight end two territory in the keep trade cut rankings right now. So nobody wants him. And he's about to hit unrestricted free agency for the first time. They franchise tagged him last year and then they used him like he's a tight end when he's not. He's just a slot receiver. So I say it's a mild, very mild buy right now. And I came down off of that because I'm not sure how much upside there is. So if you're getting Mike Kosicki at tight end 23 price and he's tight end 15 this year, you know, technically that is. Uh, profit. I don't think he's somebody that's going to have a big jump and really deliver for you. So I wouldn't go chasing him, but if you're trading away somebody, he's a tight end that you can take back. And if you really just like playing the market on more of a daily basis, then maybe you buy him now after he signs, maybe he lands a multi-year contract in a, a good offense and suddenly people get excited about him. Then maybe you flip him for more than you bought him for. So I, I went from, Hey, it might finally be time to buy Mike Gusecki too. And by Mike Gusecki. Dude, he's somebody that I wrote about when we did our free agency preview series on the website. And, you know, to kind of, you know, further illustrate the point that you've already made, the offensive system that Mike McDaniel installed in Miami is a system that ran George Kittle primarily from an inline position. And I think it's his highest career, uh, like, rates of uh, his number of routes run from the slot was like Mm 28.9. So that's significantly lower than what Mike Gesicki was doing. Uh, His slot rates from 2019 through 2021, when he was super good, 66.9%. Like it was just, it was a very different type of thing going on. Assuming that a team gives Mike Gusecki a multi-year deal and gives him enough money, that is at least to me an indication, hey, we're going to try and use him and play more to his strengths instead of just giving him however many tens of millions of dollars to just play in line and suck for the next three years. It just, it wouldn't really make a ton of sense. So he's one of those guys, like he's been forgotten, but he used to be pretty good. He used to be pretty good. I'm super interested to see how the NFL values Kasicki as he hits the open market here. Um, He's a guy I've always liked more than Matt from a fantasy perspective. Like the guy obviously wait, has limitations. Wait, do you but... like him more than I like him, or you like him more than you like me? <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> 
yeah, obviously has real life limitations, but in some ways those limitations can be good for fantasy football if it means he's out there running routes and, and not not blocking. I don't know what the hell happened in Miami this past season for them to franchise tag him, give him that much money in 2022, and then not use him at all. And it's scary to me that Mike McDaniel, who I think is already one of the, the better offensive minds in the NFL, either couldn't figure out how to use him or didn't want to use him. That's scary to me. But again, I, I want to see how the rest of the league views him as he hits the open market. Well, it's a couple of things that I think happened. One, he still played most of his time in the slot. It was less than previous, but it was still well above what George Kittle did. So it's not like they took Mike Gusecki and tried to turn him into an inline tight end. But the other thing that happened is they got a really good pass catcher in Tyree Kill. And all of a sudden they had Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. And now they don't need to target Mike Gusecki. And I think that is the limitation to keep in mind. If you don't have better options than Mike Gusecki, he can be a solid receiver for you. But I don't think he's going to go somewhere else and outplay somebody. So that's the limitation for me. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens on the open market. But as I looked down the keep trade cut rankings, I was thinking maybe Tyler Conklin is the better version of what we want Mike Gusecki to be here. He already signed with a new team last year. He is tight end 32 on keep trade cut compared with tight end 23 for Mike Gusecki, Tyler Conklin Tied for eighth among all tight ends and targets this past year. He tied for eighth among tight ends and receptions with CJ Uzama being on the field for 15 games, by the way. Second among Jets and targets, catches, receiving yards, and touchdowns. He's a shorter range guy than Gasecki, so there's less yardage upside, but that also makes him a more efficient catcher of the ball. Uh, maybe an easier target. And the Jets, I think we're all expecting them to at least try to upgrade a quarterback this year. So while that can help guys like Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. It can also help Tyler Conklin. Now I'm, I'm not putting out a, a strong bat signal by Tyler Conklin, but I'm saying if somebody like Mike Gusecki does interest you, maybe even go a little lower and take Tyler Conklin. Conklin's got some tough target competition in the short term too, to deal with in New York. I mean, the thing I go back to with Gusecki, like, you know, he has flashed potential, the ability to be a, a big fantasy asset, a nice fantasy asset. And then the fact, you know, again, to go back, he's at 99th percentile athlete if you go to the uh, relative athletic scores, like big athletic dude. Oh, is it Matt, a form, former volleyball player? Is that, is that what he was? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think, for, I, I think for the price tag, like he has the ingredients to, you know, deliver a, a few more top 10 fantasy seasons. Mm, I don't think so, but I guess we'll see. It was, it was your buy. I know. I, I thought about, <laughs> thought about dumping it, but then I was like, nah, I already put him out there. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely an interesting guy to, to again, I, I, I want to see how the next uh, couple months go for him. All right. So now let's go to the sell side and get truly negative. Jared, you've got a pretty big name to start us off with. Yeah. George Kittle, who I feel like I've been hating on the guy for a few years now, which is unfortunate because he's an awesome real life player has been an awesome fantasy asset. Fun, fun guy to cheer for. I'm sure he'd be a fun guy to hang out with. And listen, this past season, he finished third among tight ends in total PPR points. He was second among tight ends in PPR points per game. But at least part of that was because of the position as a whole. Kittle actually scored his fewest PPR points per game since his 2017 rookie season. And even that number was propped up by that absurd touchdown run. He went on at the end of the season, seven touchdowns from Brock Purdy in a four game span from week 15 to week 18 Kittle finished with a career high 11 touchdowns. He hadn't topped six in any of his, his, his seasons before that outside of the tight ends though, 4.0 catches per game for Kittle 51 yards per game for Kittle last year. Those were both his lowest marks 
since his 2017 rookie season. Also posted his lowest marks in PFF receiving grade and yards per route run since his rookie season. Now, in his defense, he still ranked third among all tight ends in PFF receiving grade, fifth in yards per route run. So he was still a high-end tight end. But again, by basically any measure you want to look at besides touchdowns, this past season was his worst season since his rookie year. He turns 30 this coming season, October, I, I believe it is. And he's just a guy I would not be surprised if, if the cliff comes pretty fast for him, considering the way he plays. He, you know, he takes a lot of hits as a, as a receiver, obviously, but he does a lot of that dirty work, you know, in line blocking, obviously has the lengthy injury history. He's missed 16 games over his six NFL seasons with ankle, knee, foot, calf, groin injury. So, you know, basically everything on, on the lower half. So again, Kittle, I think you use the fact that he still scored as an elite tight end this past season. And maybe he does have, you know, one or two more elite tight end seasons in him. Um, but I, I think now's a pretty good time to get out from, from George Kittle and dynasty. It's worth noting too. He's got what looks like one more year where he's locked in contract wise to San Francisco. And then 2025 there, according to spot track, there is like a $13 million difference between his cap hit and his dead cap. So maybe he's a potential cap casualty that year or a trade target or whatever. And then the year after that looks like a voided year. So at age 33, he could be, you know, having the question mark of where to go. My one hesitation is I wonder if the market in general is just going to be treating him as more of a sell. And if it's going to be tough to really get good value for Kittle, do you have any, I don't know, any idea of what you would like to look for as a return on a potential Kittle trade here, Jared? Yeah. So, I mean, just his general price tag, I would say he's tight end four in the DLF startup ADP and he's tight end five in keep trade cut. Um, And again, he is coming off a strong fantasy season, especially down the stretch. He was good. So again, that's why I think his price should, you should be able to get a good return for him. It is tricky with these tight ends because I mean, we talk about it in redraft. There are like four or five guys that matter and everyone else is just like there. So it is nice to have one of these elite guys in dynasty, like a Kittle. If you think he's going to give you a few more elite seasons. Yeah. I, it's tough. Like ideally you have Kittle and another guy you feel good about, um, you know, even if it is someone like Njoku, who, you know, maybe is not elite, but you think you're going to get another five, six years out of him. I probably wouldn't be trading Kittle like straight up for another tight end. It'd be like, hopefully I have Kittle at a position of strength and I can use that trade Kittle to upgrade it at, at another position. Herms, you think maybe you look at something like Kittle for a Conquo plus another significant piece here? I mean, look, anytime you're going to tell me that you can put Chigakakwa on your roster. No, but I mean, any in principle, if you are going to try and do something like that and you don't want to go outside the position, you know, just like always try and just trade younger. You know what I mean? Take the older guy, get like a, a little cheaper, younger tight end, and then just see what like middle round rookie draft pick you can sprinkle in there. I mean, that's it's a good way to, you know, record a W on the board. These are the kinds of trades where I think – Tyler Conklin, Mike Gusecki makes some sense too, where maybe you need a tight end to come back that can at least fill the spot for you in some weeks. You don't necessarily need a star. You know, maybe it's somebody that you see some upside for, but at least a fill in, especially with what seems like it's going to be a good rookie class of tight end. We'll of course get into that much more as we move toward the draft. Why don't we move on now to our second cell candidate here? Herms, who do you have? 
Well, if you're going to try and move on from George Kittle to find a younger guy, somebody that I wouldn't suggest trying to pivot to would be uh, Greg Dulcich of the Denver Broncos. So with the news that Sean Payton is coming into town, we're all sitting here trying to figure out, oh, what's that Broncos offense going to look like? And anytime there's some sort of coaching shakeup or anything or a team gets a new quarterback or something, you just have to look at the histories of both of their offenses and stuff like that. So, I mean, I did a little bit of this work last year when I was trying to figure out, okay, well, if Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson are going to work together to try and figure out the offense, what could that look like? Doing the same thing now with, you know, history from Sean Payton offenses and whatever sort of influence that Russell Wilson has on what's going to take place. The one thing that those two have in common is that the tight end doesn't matter unless it's Jimmy Graham. It's one of those things where, you know, we look at even just this past season, if we're just going to look at what new Orleans did, because even though Sean Payton wasn't there, it was basically the same team more or less in terms of what they tried to accomplish. It was a frustrating split between Juwan Johnson, Taysom Hill. You never knew what was going to end up happening. You go even further back in the past. I mean, it's just, it's always this weird tight end by committee. You flip it over to what, you know, Seattle did this past year. Not all that different from what they did when Russell Wilson was there. When could you count on Noah Fant? When could you count on Colby Parkinson? When could you count on any of these guys? If you're going to bet on a young tight end to do super well, you kind of have to bet on them being a potential game-breaking tight end and emerge above their other, you know, counterparts in the offense to secure a massive amount of targets and no offense to Greg Dulcich the window that he was super productive this past year was remarkable but he would have to vastly outperform Jerry Judy even though his stock's a little bit down Cortland Sutton is still a very talented guy I assume they're going to have plenty of work go to Javante Williams out of the backfield before he got injured this past year he was targeted a ton I know that's something Sean Payton would probably like to continue to do. So you just look at what this offense could possibly be and the information we have from the past. It just doesn't seem like it's going to bode very well for Dulcich. And his price is high enough to the point where you could probably get somebody to bite on it. I think Dulcich is he'll be entering what his age 22 season or something like he's still super young. Like, you know, just cash out now. I have to push back some here. I I think that we can get into trouble sometimes when we look back at a quarterback, which comes up a lot, especially with Aaron Rodgers comes to mind immediately, or a coach and say, well, he doesn't like tight ends or um, he's not good for running backs. Like, you know, Jimmy Graham, who you did mention, is in there. And then otherwise, I just – I don't know how many guys there are that we can gauge. Um, you know, Jimmy Graham went to Seattle and was highly involved there even when he was a declining player. And, you know, you can say, yeah, well, the fact that we don't have that many guys to judge is a factor here. But we don't need Sean Payton to bring in Greg Dulcich. He's already there. So and now it's just a matter of how he stacks up against the other receivers. Jerry Judy, I like. Cortland Sutton, I have my questions about. Greg Dulcich, what I like is that he already came in and showed stuff, even in a rookie season that got off to a slow start and a year where we got some buzz on Albert Okwegbunum in the summer and then got absolutely nothing from him during the season. They were shuffling among tight ends early uh, were the Broncos. And then Dulcich got healthy and started playing. They were like, finally, we got our tight end. He finished seventh among all tight ends in slot rate. And three of the six guys ahead of him on that list were Ravens. 
he finished eighth among all tight ends in average depth of target. He finished third among the 43 tight ends with at least 30 targets last year in that. So he was moving downfield. So it's not just this guy that does Tyler Conklin routes. 17.6 yards per catch for his college career for Dulcich. So he already showed us that he had that downfield ability. Third among Broncos in total targets last season in just 10 games. 13th among all tight ends in target share for the season. That's adjusted for games played. So for me, I, I'm at least hanging on to Greg Dulcich and seeing what happens. Jared, what are you doing with him? Yeah, he's a tricky one for me because I like what I, I saw from him as a rookie for all the reasons you alluded to, Matt. The fact that, you know, well, we had, you know, we had Mike Kliss on our podcast back in the early summer, and he he said the Broncos loved this kid. And, like, when he was healthy, he was going to be their guy. And, and Kliss was right. As soon as as soon as Dalsich got healthy, like, he immediately took over as the clear lead guy there and, and was producing. Um, my biggest issue with him is the price. I mean, he's tight end 10 in the DLF ADP. I believe he's tight end 11 on keep trade cut. And this is a guy who has played 10 NFL games. Like Dalsich is ahead of ahead of David Njoku on, on, on both sites, I believe. I, I, I would take Njoku mm-hmm. straight up over Dalsich in Dynasty. And if, if I could get more on top of um, Dalsich, I, th- I think that's a, that's an easy trade to make. Well, so for me, we've got Dulcich who's had, who's been good in his only limited sample. And we've got David Njoku who's coming off a good season, but had five questionable ones, you know, in some before that. So I would say that there is at least as much worrisomeness on Njoku than there is on Dulcich. So I, I personally would not make that trade straight up. I mean, yeah, to, I mean, Njoku, you can definitely argue he had submission. I mean, he had, I think his second NFL season was pretty big. And then, um, you know, they signed Austin Hooper and he kind of he kind of went away. So there there are warts with his profile in the NFL. You're definitely right. But again, I, I go back to what Njoku did this past season. And, and and really, I know it's you know going back seven years now, but his draft profile as a former first round pick, as a 93rd percentile athlete, whatever he was, um, I'd, 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 I would, I'd make the Dalsich for Njoku trade. I really think age is the only only thing favoring Dalsich if you're comparing those two guys. Herms, are you trading away Dulcich to get Njoku? I would probably do that, yes. I'm so glad I brought him up. I love being the agent of chaos here. This is fabulous. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but like, it's no offense to what Dulcich did, but I would just rather bet on a guy that, you know, because we talk about a lot. It takes time for tight ends, probably like their third or fourth season in the league, sometimes at the earliest for them to like really, you know, get things going. Like now, Dulcich did do plenty in ten games, but we'd be trading him in for a guy that's already gone through the seasoning process. He's already been in the oven. He's already popped out. He's ready to serve. You know what I mean? Like that's that type of thing. Like I, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I would say the fact that we already saw this from Dulcich in year one at a position where we commonly have to wait for a while is a huge yeah. mark in his favor. That's true. It, it, that's true. It, 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 yeah, it, it definitely is. Now again, it was those ten games. I don't have the exact stuff in front of me, but I know Sutton and Judy were, were banged up for part of those, most of those. I, I don't think Dalsich played with both those wide receivers many of those games. Um, but it, it, listen, I, I, it's not an anti dalsage thing for me. It's more the more the price tag. I think he's 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 priced pretty aggressively if you're you know considering him like a you know a, the tight end ten in dynasty right now. I say he's priced fairly, but another guy from his class who was priced too aggressively is Isaiah Likely. Tight end 13 on keep trade cut, and honestly, I think that's an absurd level of expectation here. Now, he had an impressive rookie season, and it, of course, started with that monster preseason game, which started getting him drafted, and then anybody who drafted him was like, oh, crap, 
I forgot that Mark Andrews is on his team. Finished the season 25th among tight ends and target share. Mark Andrews first in that category, by the way. Tied for 22nd among tight ends in total targets, 25th in receptions. Mark Andrews sat out week 18, played just 10 snaps in week eight. Those were the two big games for for Isaiah Likely this year. His other 14 games that did include Mark Andrews likely averaged 1.6 receptions, 13.8 13.8 yards. There was no Rashad Bateman for most of those games. There was also no Charlie Kohler in most of those games. He was not on the field until the end of the season. And if you don't remember or never knew who that was, that's the tight end that the Ravens drafted 11 spots ahead of Isaiah Likely last year. Both of these guys had strong college production. Kohler tested a little bit better, played at a little higher level in college, Iowa State versus Coastal Carolina. I'm not saying go trade Isaiah Likely for Charlie Kohler, but I'm saying Isaiah Likely now has to compete with Mark Andrews and Charlie Kohler in an offense where he didn't really find targets last year, even though their wide receivers sucked. So the fact that he is anywhere near tight end one territory in perceived market value right now tells me you should sell quickly before people realize what they're doing here what do you think isaiah likely herms i mean he was fun to watch i mean like i get why people were excited about it but in order for him to really pay off you'd have to be betting significantly against mark andrews and then well either that or just patiently wait for likely's rookie deal to expire and then hope he goes somewhere else like i get it he is fun but the amount of time that you have to wait versus, like, I don't know, if you're trying to win anytime soon and you really need a tight end or something, like, this is not the type of dude, like, it's going to take too long. I don't have that kind of patience. It's likely going to take too long. So <laughs> I worked in the pun. But yeah, dude, I'm, I'm not about it. And even if you're into patience and what he could become, he's going to have to be special for him to pay off after you wait those two or three years. Jared, what about you? Yeah, I think it's I think it's likely that Isaiah likely is a is a good good tight end based on what we saw from him as a rookie. The big preseason game, you know, the the advanced stuff was pretty good last year. 14th in yards per out run, beat Greg Dalsich in yards per out run this past season. But I will always, always, always bet against a team producing two fantasy relevant tight ends at the same time. It's just it's it's like Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. That's like the only time it's ever happened. Um, and I got to think the Ravens are going to improve their wide receiver core. Probably. I mean, it can't really be worse than it was last year. And then Mark Andrews is signed with Baltimore through 2025. Even by that point, he's only going to be 29. So I, I don't think you're going to see the Ravens cut Mark Andrews before that time. So you're looking at like four years, I think, before Isaiah likely is going to be someone you can really use in fantasy. I know it's dynasty. I know we care about long-term value, but like that's that's too long for me to be to be waiting on a guy, especially at this position. Yeah, I mean, if you've got a wide out for some reason who in three years is going to be awesome, then cool. Have the patience for him. But why am I going to wait three years for a guy that might be tight end eight? And just to put some more context to it, at tight end 13 on key trade cut, that puts Isaiah likely ahead of Darren Waller, ahead of Trey McBride, a classmate who has a path to start for the Cardinals next year, ahead of Chigokonkwo, ahead of Dawson Knox, who's already starting alongside Josh Allen. I would give away Isaiah likely for any of those guys straight up. You could also, according to the rankings there, if we treat that as the market for now, 
You could trade likely for Jelani Woods plus. You could trade him for Noah Fant plus. Both of those guys are upside athletes in much better spots for both immediate and the year after immediate production. So for me, if I have Isaiah likely, I'm like, sweet. Thank you for giving me a couple of flashy games. I can't wait to see what I get for you. I love that value so much. Oh, please run whatever app or platform you play on. Just run, sprint to your computer or your phone and just send out those offers right now. That, that is tremendous. And, and just looking at some other positions, like Isaiah likely is valued the same as Juju Smith-Schuster, who has his wars. I'd rather have Juju Smith-Schuster in Dynasty. Rondell Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, I, I love and we, we've highlighted in, in the past. Matt, I, I hate to say this, but I think I think likely might be the, the best sell in Dynasty right now. <laughs> yes, that's all I wanted. I was keeping the show live until you said that. So now, yeah. before you name any other Browns as buys, I'm going to say that does it for this tight end trades show. Remember, if you missed our episodes covering QBs, running backs, or wide receivers, they're all available now on DraftSharks.com, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, YouTube, Audible, wherever you do your listening. And you can find the latest Dynasty Buy, Sell, Hold report on DraftSharks.com right now. Give Herm some love in the comments section at the bottom of that. Tell him who he's right about. Tell him who he's wrong about if that's what you want to do. We appreciate your feedback in all of its forms. And we, of course, appreciate you checking out what we do. You know, it makes all this possible. We couldn't be doing this if you weren't checking the stuff out. So for Herms, for Jared Smola, and the entire DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.